Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I'm at another fine Minnesota made business by the name of Concrete Science. Yes, I know I got your attention. Uh, you rarely see those two words together, and uh, they have a u- very unique business going on here. Things are booming. Uh, they're doing big jobs. They got their first international job coming up here over in Europe. And my two guests today, to my left, is Chase Hicks, the VP of Operations. Is that right, Chase? Yep, that's correct. All right. And uh, Josh, man, I'm going to screw up that last name again. Josh what? Wachter. Wachter. All right. Josh Wachter, the CFO of Concrete Science. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So uh, I appreciate the tour. And, uh, you know, during the tour, I mentioned my limited experience and some of the work that you do. I finished my own garage floor with some uh, take-home kits from the Mighty Menards. And that was uh, a little bit of a shit show, to be honest. You know, I had to rent a concrete grinder and try to clean up the oil spots to make the stuff stick. And it, it took way longer than it was expected. And I used way more product than was expected. But that's a, only a small piece of what you guys do. You do the coating aspect, but you also, I don't know, put the concrete down. What's, what's the correct term for putting concrete down? Yeah, so we pour it and pour we finish it. it. Yeah, Pour it. Pour concrete. Yeah, okay. Pour concrete and finish it both residential and commercial. Correct. Right. So what what is it that makes a concrete science unique? What, what do you contribute the growth to? You're sitting at about 120 employees. You're doing jobs all over the United States. You got something coming up over in Europe. And thinking about franchising, and Josh, you can touch on that in a little bit. But what what is it that you guys contribute this growth to? I think, and I think our owner would agree, I think we found the secret sauce within the marketing and the customer service. So the marketing, you know, reaching out to residential customers, um, using Google, AdWords, uh, new marketing tools to get our name out there, as well as getting repeat customers and referrals. And that really hits our residential sector commercial, which we've been doing since the 70s, you know, we maintain our builder accounts, uh, a lot of commercial apartment footings, walls, and floors, maintaining those relationships and and putting out good products. So having a commercial presence, as well as kind of finding the keys to to really honing in on uh, all the residential aspects of whether it's, you know, driveways, sidewalks, patios, basements, it's sort of a one-stop shop for any sort of concrete flooring or decorative flooring needs, if it's a cement-based or even an epoxy resinous product. Yeah, I don't know. You you know, I've I've had some concrete work done. I've had some friends that recently had some concrete work done. My, My perception is there's just not a lot of concrete contractors out there, or at least they're not responsive. And it's it's it was difficult to get somebody on the phone to show up when they say they're going to show up. So just, I guess, checking that box of the customer service goes a long ways, doesn't it? Yeah. And Josh, if you want to touch on a little bit, just the internal, I guess, works of the front office and, and you know, following through with all that, I think is what really makes us special. Absolutely. You know, customer action is huge in our industry. Um, Like you mentioned, Jason, a lot of times you can't even get people to show up. You know, 
when you call Concrete Science, you know that our salesmen are A, going to be there, they're going to be on time, and they're going to be responsive to any sort of follow-up questions that the customers maybe have on those bids. Yeah. And, I mean, that's where a lot of our growth is attributed to. Three years ago, when we kind of look at our numbers, we do, we do a lot of digging into the analytics, kind of seeing where our customers are driven from. As we've grown in the coding space, um, doing garage floor epoxies, that kind of stuff, 2019, 90% of our work was coming purely from Google Ads, you know, getting our name wow. out there, paying for it. Yeah. And now 2021, about 75% of our work is actually customer referral based and previous customers. So you can really tell that, you know, whatever that secret sauce was a couple of years ago, people like it, you know, they're yeah. willing to share our name, neighbors see it, they love what we're putting down, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's helped us a lot in our advertising, our spend, that kind of stuff, being able to reduce some of those costs. Well, congratulations on figuring out that uh, Google ad business, man. I, I own a couple insurance agencies, and I tried that whole Google ad space. It was a disaster, and we are spending a ton of money for really terrible leads. And before we scrapped it all, maybe, maybe, you know, it's because, I don't know, there's... There's a lot of insurance agents that spend a lot of money in marketing and advertising, including the big guys like Progressive and Geico and all these direct writers versus concrete writers. I mean, concrete contractors. I can't imagine there's a lot of savvy contractors in the Google ad space that are willing to figure out how the process works and uh, maximize their return on investment. You, you know what I mean? It's, 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 because of the two industries are so different, maybe that's why you're so successful at the whole Google ad thing. What do you think? Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah. you know, and that's where a lot of our growth has come from. It's, you know, getting the right people in the right spots here that have industry knowledge on the concrete, but also can kind of diversify that and understand, like, how do you get that phone to ring? Yeah. I think that's some of the biggest mistakes people make or people, if it's lack of work, a lot of it is they just don't know how to get their name out there and attract those people to that phone number. Yeah, 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 yeah. A quick message from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by Minnesota Risk Partners, specializing in risk management and insurance services for Minnesota-based companies. Check them out at minnesotariskpartners.com. All right, so you got a lot of business off of the uh, advertising you did, but more and more of that has become referrals because you guys do great work, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. All right, so let's take, take it from the beginning. Chase, you are third generation. Grandpa started it. Dad got involved. Now Chase is here. What, what year did it all start? So 1973, we used to be Hicks Concrete, uh, union company, uh, concrete footings, concrete walls, concrete floors. So basically, I think we had three commercial accounts back then. Um, my dad went to the Dunwoody University. Um, my uncle, who was our senior estimator, uh, he went to school in Wisconsin. Then they all came back, worked for the family company. Carrie, my grandfather, has been doing it forever. He was masonry before that, but they ran about probably 20 to 30 years, just all commercial concrete. And then you know, my dad saw the growth of the industry and decided to get into the concrete cleaning, ceiling sector, and then that segued into the concrete coatings, epoxy, things like that. So I guess the growth is really kind of where we're at today, um, you know, realizing the profitability in commercial concrete, residential concrete, and then, you know, having the, the ability to jump into the coatings and sort of be a three-tiered company yeah, has allowed us to, to continue to grow. But um, yeah, 73 was when Hicks Concrete started, 2004 was Concrete Science. And, you know, 2021, where we're at today, um, you know, being extremely successful with those three companies or two companies merging together. 
And is grandpa and dad still working here? Yep. So grandpa, his name's Carrie. So Carrie's a salesman here. He probably works 50 hours a week. I think he's 82. Steve's down in South Carolina right now. He works, I know, nonstop around the clock, constantly focused on growth. I talk to him every day about projects and things like that, but just being, you know, sort of a resource for me, um, you know, seeing where the company's going, answer hard questions, questions about customers. What are your thoughts on this? His relationships are extremely wide-reaching in the U.S. in the industry as well as locally. So, and then yeah, my uncle Troy—he's been estimating our commercial concrete since Hicks Concrete started. So, his reach on all of our builder accounts and relationships has allowed you know our commercial division to to really carry the load in the winter when things get cold and the work starts to dry up. You know, Josh, this winter—I mean, what are we looking at doing? Where, you know, usually the residential work shuts down, everything decorative, but then our commercial division fires up, and that's—I mean, what percentage do you think of our revenue this year? Yeah, that's that's the big kind of change for us going into this year. Is you know, like Chase said, a couple of years ago, we'd maybe be considered a seasonal company. You know, you're working April to try to get to Thanksgiving, and then you kind of shut your doors for a few months and just try to get by. Limited staff in the office. Just the growth we've seen on the commercial side this year has really allowed us to transition all those guys, and we're really not doing any layoffs going into the winter. We got work for our guys January, February, March, and then we'll we'll just relay them right back into residential once you know we we thaw out up here in Minnesota and road restrictions lift. We'll hit the residential side again, but yeah, our our commercial work is probably going to be about fifty percent of our work this year from a revenue standpoint. Wow. And what what kind of commercial work are you doing during the winter? Are you pouring floors indoors where it's warm? Is that a lot of the areas will be heated, or the companies or the the builders will pay for heat and cover. A lot of its footings and walls; those are able to be done. Basically, they're adjusting mixed designs and kind of install techniques. But they will they have to keep on schedule with building these apartments. So a lot of the times that their schedule is so fixed that you know the job has to be done. So additional costs will be incurred they'll cover it to allow us to continue working with the cold temperatures. And with that work, a big part of, you know, growing is retaining your employees. So in the past, everyone's getting used to being laid off right around Thanksgiving, and then they come back uh, April, right? So you have full-time work for them year-round. Most of the shops in the area don't have that. So, you know, right now we're hiring and people are confused on, well, where am I working? It's like, well, we have commercial winter work all year long. So being able to get guys, add them to your roster come spring and continue to grow, that's where the commercial works propelled us to, to get where we are in, on our residential side. Yeah, you kind of got a, a unique edge in the labor force Correct. being able to work all year round. And that's concrete. I mean, you can't find concrete finishers. They're, if they are unemployed, there's usually a reason. So finding sharp guys like that are you know, they're one in a million, you know, in the area. So in the past, Steve has acquired all these guys by buying up small companies and basically, you know, absorbing them into concrete science where now with the the plethora of winter work, we're looking at instead of having to buy smaller companies, you know, just being able to hire guys organically and have success transitioning them into our residential side once spring hits. So. Gotcha. And you're not union, are you? Non-union. So we got out of the unions in, gosh, I want to say it was around 2007, 2008, 2009, paid a heavy fee to get out of it. But, you know, at that point with where the housing market was, we couldn't afford the union labor rates. So becoming non-union, having some of our core guys stick with us, you know, changing, you know, how the pay 
with them Structured, was, yeah. you know, so I know for our company, we usually pay more than some of the other guys, but being non-union, your prices have to reflect that. So yeah, that's probably the only reason that concrete science was survived was becoming non-union and continuing to progress in the residential sector. Well, that's interesting. You know, back in the day, right out of high school, I was a, a little bit of a troublemaker back in high school. So I had some fines to pay off once I graduated before I could start college. <laughs> and uh, I worked for a guy out of Cocado, Minnesota, Gordy Lund, and uh, he did poured foundations, mainly commercial. And I was the guy that carried, manually carried these forms from the trailer to the hole, from the hole to the trailer, mm-hmm. from job site to job site. And that's that's some hard work, man. Yep. Um, have either of you done any work out in the field? Yep, yep, yeah. I have. Um, yeah, when I got out of college, I worked on our commercial concrete side. Um, when I started doing production, I worked with our coating side. Moving the wall pans is probably the hardest thing that we do mm-hmm. as a company. Technology's growing, so it's becoming easier, but... None of us in the office take for granted anything the guys do in the field. It's all hard. It's cold. You get dirty. I mean, we value every single one of the employees because of the work they do every day. And that makes our job easy. You have good customer service. You have good quality of work. It all starts with the guys, you know, and the work they're willing to do. Yeah. Especially when it's cold out. Like, you know. Yeah, (laughs) it gets a little rough. Yeah. For sure. Now, one of the things I noticed when I pulled in right away was your branding. The, uh, The logo, the colors the type of font, and I'm like, huh, this almost looks like it could be a franchise. So, Josh, it sounds like you got something on the horizon regarding franchising. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, as we've grown and kind of figured the secret sauce out over the last couple of years, we realized, you know, if you know the key components in, you know, brand awareness, marketing tools, customer interaction, a lot of that can translate in any other region or market. Those are the pieces that the majority of other contractors out there seem like they're the farthest behind in. So we we see that need. We see a need where we can go into Phoenix, Arizona or San Diego where there's maybe a guy, he's, you know, he's doing okay. He's got four or five employees. He's got year-round work, but he's kind of just stuck at that threshold where it's, you know, I do the same amount. The last 10 years, my sales haven't changed. It's I know my phone's going to ring this amount of time, mm-hmm. but I just don't know how to get over that edge. Mm-hmm. And there's a need there. And I think we see it. We have the tools in place with, we have, you know, already we have a branding book. So like you said, the fonts, that kind of stuff. We have a 20 page book that shows, you know, done the numeric of that color. So when we have our trucks decaled, we have business cards made, you know, we're working with those suppliers and saying, here's the number for that orange, you know, here's the font size, here's everything we want specific so it stays the same. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're looking at trying to get into new markets and help other people do that. Mm. Uh, January of this year, we actually kind of started our own kind of pilot phase for it down in Fort Myers. So cool. we opened up our own operation down there just to kind of get a proof of concept to see, can we go into a market that we've never been, don't know anything about and, you know, get our phone to ring. Yeah. So uh, it was about January 15th is when we had kind of the website went live. We got our first salesman down there. And, you know, we worked with some other people in the industry, some, you know, that we knew in Fort Myers or surrounding areas for the market size and said, you know, what realistically, what should we expect kind of the first year revenue or what do you think we can do coming in here? And most of the guys in there, they do, you know, six hundred to $700,000 in revenue a year with single crew, maybe two crews. That's kind of your average concrete general contractor. Okay. So, you know, we earmarked it. We said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do half a million. That's our goal for the first 12 months down there. Yeah. Got our Google ads going, did a couple of marketing things in magazines that we had heard of down there. We're 10 months in and we've already sold $1.6 million worth of work in the Fort Myers area. 
Wow. So that's pretty awesome. We beat our projections by a little bit. <laughs> triple. Triple. So yeah. I think we know how to do it. And now it's just kind of getting in front of those other contractors that maybe want to get over that hump and need that help. Yeah. And say, you know, look, you know how to you know how to pour the concrete. We're gonna also teach you coatings now. We're gonna we're gonna bolt on epoxy floors. We're gonna show you how to do clean and sealing. We'll teach you how to grind floors. And we can get your phone to ring and teach your salesman how to bid this work. Yeah, take care of the back office stuff. Absolutely. That they hate doing. Yep. So you're going to target contractors that are already doing some type of concrete work. Is the opportunity available for, let's say, I don't know, a businessman that uh, has a little bit of experience in concrete back in the day? He's looking at starting up something new. Not so much, you know, looking to put on some uh, rubber boots and pick up a shovel out in the field, but. Uh, to be that sales guy that, that works the phone, does the bids, but in um, doesn't actually perform the manual work. Is, is that going to be available for somebody like that too, or don't you know? Yep, absolutely. So yeah. we kind of look at it as three different tiers where you're going to have some of the people just like that where they want to come in and they're looking at it as an investment where they want to hire other people to do it, mm. teach other people how to do the work, and then you'd have maybe somebody that's in the poured concrete world knows how to pour driveways, pour patios, do that kind of stuff, but they want to get into the coating side, doing epoxy floors, that kind of stuff. We can teach them that aspect. Or maybe it's the other way around. We have a contractor that's really good at doing garage floor coatings, um, that kind of stuff, but they want to learn the poured aspect of it and actually finishing concrete. Okay. We look at it as those different kind of tiers and you know, we'll, We'll do the training strategies. Everything will be geared towards kind of where they're at now and where they want to go. We have a lot of good guys on our staff. There's people that have been involved. You know, it's it's obviously still a dream in our mind, kind of a 2022 goal is to get this franchising piece off the ground. But we already have people in place for, we know who kind of our training managers are going to be, the ones that know all the different applications. They'd be the ones that will be going across the country, training these guys, getting them through programs. We have we have price books. We got branding. We have everything kind of at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. It's just getting to the finish line here next yeah. year. Awesome. So, Chase, back to you. Did, did you always know you wanted to get involved in the family business, or did you try something else before uh, stepping in here? I was actually told that I couldn't work for the family business when I was younger because I think it's so stressful. There's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of yelling. <laughs> and the winters were usually tough. So I think my dad... He wanted me to uh, get into real estate or push to get my MBA, and uh, it just sort of happened. I, I graduated uh, from school here locally and a journalism degree, and I was interested in sports journalism, but student loans, needed a job. I mean, I had business acumen, and I had worked here since you know I was young. Like, I'd started cleaning the shop when I was like 10 years old. So I'd been here every summer, basically until I graduated high school and then came back. But um I just, I look at it more as you know, business, customer relationships. I mean, every business sells a product. You don't necessarily have to love the product, but I think what we do is unique and, you know, fun enough to where you can, you know, not love construction, but love what you do. And just the growth, the the guys, your relationships, um, developing, you know, home builder accounts, working with, you know, steel manufacturers that have warehouses around the metro that, you know, continually want to do upgrades. So it's like, it's always something to do, right? Yeah. Did I see myself starting here? I always wanted to because I thought I'd be like, hey, I could just go work for dad, right? Yeah. But then, you know, seeing in the growth and seeing everything really develop, you know, made me eager to want to participate and, you know, help encourage the growth. So I think it was right when I graduated from college, we actually had one guy running production for commercial concrete, 
residential concrete and coat. So then they had him do concrete and then they had me do all the coatings. I think we started at half a million dollars when I graduated back in 2015. And then every year from there, we continually, you know, grow the coatings division because it's your highest margin work. And I think right now this year, Josh, we're at what? I mean, I think our goal was 4 million and we're damn close to that. Yep. So, I mean, growing exponentially just by having someone focus on that part of the company. We used to be, the coatings division was a repair company for our concrete side. It's like, hey, there was a crack or, hey, uh, you need to go clean up a job site. And I was like, well, the coatings guys don't have anything to do. We'll have them go do it. And now, you know, we're 20 to 25 guys year round, uh, run our own operation. Concrete runs their own operation. Commercial concrete runs their own operation. So having the growth to, to have everyone in a specific role to really focus on each aspect is I think, contributed to the upward trajectory overall. Cool. So some of the finished products, you have a awesome uh, showroom here. And the orange floor, that what do you, you call that? Polished concrete, stained and polished? So that one's actually going to be uh, metallic epoxy. Metallic epoxy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So All it's right. a fairly newer, but probably your highest difficulty, most finicky, but coolest looking floor that we can do. So I, I was living in Austin, Texas for a period of time when I was a chiropractor, and I bought an office condo that was unfinished with bare concrete floors, and I chose to go with, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there's such a thing called stained concrete, and then you can polish it, Yep. right? Do you guys do that type of work too or not? Yep, so yep. you basically get the polish to, call it step six out of eight, um, you get it to a point, you apply the stain, and then you finish the polish and essentially locks in the polish, or excuse me, the stain into the polish. Oh. Amera Polish, they're, I think, one of the big manufacturers of the product. But I mean, that's a lot of your Hy-Vee, Walmart, Home Depots. Um, they want to create sort of a decorative color within the polished concrete. Okay. Low maintenance, easy to maintain. You basically have a janitorial scrubbing machine to clean it. So I mean, polished concrete, it's, it's yeah. everywhere. You look down at a grocery store floor, it's like, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What are some of the other finishes that you do? I, I know you got the t- like the common flake epoxy floors. Yep, and- the flake everyone sort of does. Ours is a little bit more higher end. We use expensive products, higher end products, but the flake is your traditional garage floor. The metallics are more for basement floors. Everyone's looking like, what can I do in my basement, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone knows the price of wood floor. Everyone knows the price of tile. Usually we're a lot cheaper than that with a more durable surface. So the metallics are cool, you know, wavy, multicolored surfaces that are extremely durable. We do an Ardex product called a Microtop, which is a cement-based overlay. It tends to model and look like you know burnished concrete without having to pour new concrete in the area. Mm. So you go up to, uh, North Loop, right? You get all these new lofts down there. Everyone wants this distressed, aged-looking concrete. Well, we can do that without having to, you know, remodel the entire floor. We just grind the surface and apply, you know, multiple coatings to give it this, they call it a, it's a sort of a distressed, all the interior designers call it organic, but it's uh it looks Shabby like, chic. it looks like old concrete. Yeah, yeah. And they love it. So, okay. and then we also do these, and it was sort of a dream that Steve, our owner had was any pool deck that is structurally sound, you don't want to tear it out, but say it doesn't look great. You know, what are your options? So, I think five years ago, we linked up with a company down in Texas to do uh, these textured overlayments on pool decks. So we could tear out and repour your pool deck, but it's, you know, very expensive. It's mm-hmm. twice the cost of what now these overlays cost. So you can grind down your pool deck, you put a spray texture on, and you got eight different colors. And basically, you can give your pool deck a facelift for, you know, an affordable cost where 
if your pool deck doesn't look good, you really had no option sure. before. So um, those are what we call cement-based overlays. So you have all the epoxy stuff. We don't do a ton of staining because what we found is that when you stain someone's concrete, everyone's concrete's different, right? Different age, different quality, different stage in life. So when you apply a stain, if you have 10 slabs and you apply the stain to 10 different slabs, everyone looks different. So how do you sell it? Well, you have to tell them that it's going to be unique and it sort of has to look, you know, it's going to look how it is. Well, how, it's, how is it going to look is what the customer's asking. Well, yeah. we don't know, right? <laughs> it's really hard to collect the second half of your payment when they don't yeah. like how it looks. So oh, sure. we've really gotten good at a managing expectations, but selling things where we can make sure that end product is it looking good, you know? And what that is, it's, it's covering up your concrete. Uh, the stains, when you apply a stain to a concrete slab, you're not putting anything between the concrete and the stain. You're just spraying on a color onto the slab. It soaks in differently and then you seal it. So okay. yeah, we've gotten sort of away from that just because we're we're trying to it's make too unpredictable. Sure. Correct. And we're yeah. we found that in the past collecting, you know, the second half of the payment. We look at all the jobs that we weren't collecting all and they were all stained. So Steve was like, we're just gonna stop doing them. So gotcha. yeah. And I think we did twelve hundred jobs this year. So you when you have that much customer communication, collection, scheduling and stuff, you're trying to eliminate headaches. And that's kind of where you know, we really honed in on, you know, five to eight specific coding options that we find that we get paid on every single job. So cool. So a good customer for you guys would be a business owner, would be a general contractor, it could be a homeowner, it could have anything to do with refinishing their pool or a pool deck or a driveway or a basement floor or, I mean, you guys got it all covered, don't you? Correct. I mean, yeah, yeah, pool decks, driveways, sidewalks. I mean, basements are a huge niche that we've gotten into because it's like, what can people do in their basement? I mean, especially yeah. if the concrete's wavy, it's hard to put wood floor down, it's hard to put tile down. Mm-hmm. It's basically, we're like a flooring company. And when we say structural, you know, decorative, yeah, I mean, it's it's extremely durable. Uh, you can make it look nice. So I, anything that you're walking on, you know, hardscapes outside or in the interior, we can do something with. So Awesome. Josh, what's the future look like? You spoke a little bit about the uh, franchise. And and when is that opportunity going to be available to the general public, by the way? And if you could also touch on if there's anything else that is in the horizon over the next five, 10 years that you guys are looking to do, maybe expand your own internal organic locations, you know, in addition to the franchise opportunities. So let's talk a little bit about the future. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, the future is bright here. We've just exponential growth year over year the last three to four years with our new Fort Myers location on there part of it was kind of the proof of concept to see like a can we get into another market but it was also part of our long-term plan of trying to kind of have centralized what we would call locally owned offices throughout the country so that as we get into the franchising we don't want Corcoran Minnesota to be the only place that a potential franchisee can come in and see what my showroom look like where do I need to go for training so over the next four years, our plan is to have another five like small establishments like we have in Fort Myers kind of strategically placed throughout the country mm. um, yeah. that will locally own, run. Everything will be, all of the back office administration will still be right here in Minnesota, but we want kind of, we want that showroom to be down there, like a touch and feel for a franchisee to potentially come in and say, okay, mm. I can see this vision. Like I could see what I could look like in a year. Yeah, that's smart. So obviously we look we want to look for more warmer climates. That's one of our things where we want to have, you know, 12 months year-round work. Minnesota's not great for that. 
especially doing all the applications outdoors. You know, we have April to really beginning of November on the residential side. That's kind of our time to hit a home run on it. So, you know, we're looking, you know, the Californias, the Arizonas, the Texases, okay. some mid-markets that we can get into and know we could be successful, but also, you know, be within, we kind of look at it and say, we want to have a locally owned office within at least a two-hour commute for any sort of franchise or potentially, yeah. whether it's by air or tr- driving, just something that's a little bit closer for them. And then obviously here in Minnesota too, we, we're still running this business. We want to see it grow as well. Um you know, like Chase had touched on, uh, 2019, we did about 800 individual jobs. 2020, we were about 1,200. And this year, we'll probably be about 1,500 actual jobs that are performed here in the state of Minnesota. Wow. So we're still Good trying to you. grow here, too. You know, yeah. we, we look at ourselves as a big company and, you know, we think we're everywhere. But you get out there and you talk to people like, I've never heard of you, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, if we can capture as much of the market as we have now with people not really knowing who we are, imagine what we can do to get on the east side of the metro, you know, go a little bit farther into the Lakeville, that kind of stuff. So sure. just continuing to expand in the Twin Cities metro too, I think there's a lot of potential for us in the next five years. Yeah, cool. You mentioned uh, Florida, uh, Arizona, Texas. You said California? Yep, Correct. And I'd stay out of California. San Diego. Oh. <laughs> They're a little, it's a little bit more normal down there. <laughs> uh, we'll stay uh, out of Los Angeles. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, we are approaching a little bit past 30 minutes here. And uh, before I wrap things up, is there anything that you want to touch on that we didn't already talk about that you feel is important for the listeners to hear? I'll start with you, Chase. I'd say something that's really important with our growth is and I'm sure most people in the construction industry would agree, is your relationship with your vendors, your customers, um, you know, the people that supply us the the epoxy. Uh, they're in Brooklyn Park. Paul has become a good friend of mine. Um, having a good relationship with the guys that are going to get you the products to succeed is so important. Um, we work with Sherwin-Williams in Little Canada. Um, you know, they're great. They help us with projects all the time. Um, our concrete distributors... Semstone, Ag, uh, my grandpa's really good friends with one of the extreme higher-ups at Semstone. And we don't take advantage of any of the relationships, but if we have a problem, if we have a question, um, you know, being around so long, having the resources to to just ask or, you know, with this year, everyone is struggling to get products, right? Uh, epoxy, uh, rebar, steel, things like that. Having a company of our size and, and having a really good relationship, paying our bills on time, talking to our, our vendors after hours, even just talking about other things besides work. I mean, it's allowed us t- to really grow and sort of get pushed to the top of the pile at times when we need it. I would say that's, <laughs> that is probably the, the one thing that I could view as is this year that really you know helped us have a good year was just our relationships with the people that you know supply us the product. Supply chain, it's, it's good to have you know, really good installers, but it really starts with where you're getting the material, where you're getting your lumber, where you're getting your concrete, where you're getting your epoxy. Because uh, this year was tough, and we had a, a record year, and I, I'd give a lot of our credit to all of our vendors. Yeah, so one of the more recent podcasts that I did that you got to listen to when it drops, man, it was for uh, King Technologies. They're out of like Chanhassen area. Interviewed the uh, owner, Joe King, and not Joe King, haha, his first name is Joseph, right? <laughs> Joe King, and uh, 
his, uh, I think he, I think it was his mission statement. It, it simply said enriching lives daily, right? So this company makes pool treatment chemicals and devices, right? So it's, for me, like concrete, like insurance, it's somewhat difficult to be passionate about chemicals or concrete, right? But his passion sounds similar to you. His passion comes from, I want to make my employees' lives better. I want to pour into them. And uh, so they have a great family life. They have a good balance. They make a good income. But not only with the employees, clients, right? I want to produce a, a good product and enrich their lives so they can have that pool deck to enjoy in the summers. I also want to pour into my vendors. How can I be the best customer to them? You know what I mean? Such as paying my bills on time and, and, and showing respect and not beating them up on price too much and that type of thing. So that's really how he spends most of his time now is enriching lives with, with that in mind. That's his passion. Right. It's so important. I mean, that's, I think when you're in our industry specifically for a long time and, you know, speaking with, you know, my dad and my grandpa and my uncle, it's, that's one of the things they always touch on is the importance of those relationships. And Josh, when he came in here, he changed things up dramatically. We didn't necessarily have a great history of paying our bills on time and they loved working with us, but you know, it's sometimes it was rigid. And I think his goal coming in was to change the whole culture of you know how we treat our vendors and how we work with some of our builders and having that good relationship. It's it's been probably the single most important thing this year with how we've grown. Awesome. Josh, is there anything you want to mention before we wrap it up? You know, I think we've talked a lot about it here. I mean, it's I don't have a lot. It, it's an exciting time for us here. We're we're looking at the growth kind of everywhere trying to figure out, you know, how best can we serve our customers? You know, Chase and I, I think have both have mentioned it a lot, you know, the customer service is a big part of what we do. I mean, I think it obviously when you do as many projects as we do in a year, you know that not every single one is going to go picture perfect. But I think that's another area we've emphasized a lot of focus on too, is how do we make it right in the end? Um, you know, concrete cracks. It it just does. We make sure that customers understand that, but it's like, what can we do to rectify it? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you go out and you find us online too, and you can see from, you know, our Google reviews or Facebook reviews, you know, even when the outcome wasn't 100% how the customer wanted it, they're still leaving us great reviews for just the interaction experience they had with us. And that's yeah. what we always want to leave is a good lasting impression with anybody that we do work with. Okay. That's awesome. All right, listeners, let's wrap this up. Again, we are at Concrete Science, located in Corcoran, Minnesota, right? And they have a website that is concrete-science.com. Again, that's concrete-science.com. So if you have any concrete needs, both on the residential or commercial, whether it's pourings or coating, these are... Check these guys out, man. They are your one-stop shop, and it seems like they really care. They're going to do what they say they're going to do. They're going to show up on time and return your phone calls, which is a big step in the contracting world. And uh, so, Josh and Chase, I appreciate your time. Uh, I'm excited for your future, and you did a great job on the podcast today. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to 
minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.